listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. You can turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be looking at two passages today from there. Mark chapter 1, first of all, and then also Mark 3. And so encourage you to, to do that. The ushers are coming forward. They have Bibles. Um, they will have Bibles and pens. If you would like a Bible, please raise your hand. We would like a Bible in, every, in the hand of everyone here, as well as if you need a pen to write stuff down, uh, do that. Write down on that connection card. There's going to be some, some strong encouragements to write things down today, and so please do so And uh, as, as we get into to God's Word. And uh, encourage you to be using notebooks. I always love it when I see people have their notebooks, and, and, uh, and, and I trust that you will use this study. And, and some of the things that we're going to be talking about today, we're going to work through a whole bunch of information at the very start, and we will make this available to you, so don't think you have to scramble and write everything down in all the scripture references. You can try to speed write, but we're going to cover it really quickly, and, and, uh, and, but we will make that all available to you, so I encourage you strongly to, uh, we'll make that available through our e-news as, as well as uh, it'll eventually be on our website as well, some of this information. Um, so in Mark chapter 1 verse 6 is where we're going to start, and we're going to read or uh, verse 16. And we're going to read two verses here. It says, Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Here we see the call of Jesus to ordinary, everyday kind of folks. To Peter and to his brother Andrew, Jesus said, Follow me. And that is... The same call that Jesus that he gave to them and then to 10 others as well as then to a growing group of followers that that also followed alongside of Jesus during his life and his ministry and then even beyond his life and, and his time here on earth. We see this group of people that literally changed and turned the world upside down because of this simple call that they accepted to follow, to follow Jesus. And that day on that seashore changed everything for their lives. And because of that, we have experienced the effect of that even here in North America, in our own city, through the power of the gospel. The call of the disciple of Jesus Christ is to follow. And he, he calls us today to follow him. And today we are going to be starting a massively important series that, that um, I trust and I pray will be very clarifying for everyone sitting here today and over the next number of months as we go through this. I encourage you to, to really um, get into this. And if you are away some Sunday because you're either so sick that you can't make it or you're out of the country on some terrible sun vacation of some sort, you know, that is the only excuse acceptable for missing church. Well, no, I'm not going to make it that, but I encourage you to, and if you are away for some other lesser excuse reason than that, be sure that you listen online, that you keep up to speed on on this message series, as this is, is really important, especially today and next week, as far as building the foundation for this, and so I uh, encourage you to be paying attention as, as, as we really desire to bring clarification for our church, for you, for our small groups, for, for everything 
thing as we examine our own hearts and we bring clarity and I trust and, and biblical. It's not I trust. I know this is biblical direction for each one of us on how we are to live out the Christian life. What does a quality disciple of Jesus Christ look like? There are many different answers to that question, but we're going to narrow it down and we're going to see where it all starts. And you see, this whole burden and this longing has been something that's been deep in my own heart that we, that, that we see clarity in all of this. And, and, and it has been a, a desire and a passion over the last eight or nine years, a great concern uh, at times of how many people we can sit in churches, in good churches, week after week, and we can sit there and we can learn and we can sing and we can serve, but we don't have a right or a real authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. We can sit in church and not know Christ. And that's a concern. How do we, how do we make sure? How, and, and we're told in, the, in God's word to make our calling and our election sure. And I trust that, that as we go through this today as well as this series, that, that this will be very clarifying that we will look at, at our lives. And so over the summer, it was very interesting just how... how uh, our sending church, Pastor Robbie and the elders called in the five church plant pastors, us being one of those, the, the, those folks that were a part of, of that group that, uh, from our sending church, and, and I did it through a, a Skype call, and, and Pastor Robbie and the, and the elders laid out for us this passion, this desire, and this model that, uh, that is really important, and, and it could be a useful tool in our churches as a discipleship model. And this was a stirring that, that led them to develop, this stirring and this passion led them to develop what we are calling the 5G life. And, and this is something that will ultimately replace, if you've been to Harvest Essentials and, and if you've been studying a little bit about what Harvest is all about, we talk about what the three, what? The three W's, right? We have the three W's, the, uh, a quality disciple worships Christ, walks with Christ, and works for Christ. Well, this is, we're kind of just setting that aside, not that they're outdated, they're wrong or anything, not at all. We're just bringing more clarity, and, and we're calling this the 5G life. And when I heard this and I saw this as it, it's being developed through, through Harvest Oakville and, and just seeing what God is doing, uh, just in bringing that kind of clarity, um, it just seemed very... Uh, made a lot of sense to, to see uh, that also uh, happen here and developed here within the life of our church. And so, so this is what we're calling the 5G life. This is something here. This next slide is, is what we'll refer to probably as the bullseye. And, and here it is, and you're like, oh, man, that, that's confusing. What is that all about? Well, don't worry about it all. You're going to see a lot of it. You're going to hear more of it explained, and I trust that, that over the next few weeks you'll just understand it. And, and, uh, but not just understand it, but that, that together... As individuals, as families, as small groups, we will experience this in our own lives. Really what we're going to be talking about is nothing new. It's completely biblical. It is so uh, word-centered and it is simply restating what we already know. But it's also giving us a lot of practical application on how we can live out Lives of being a quality disciple of Jesus Christ. I like what Pastor Robbie said in, in, re, in reference to this series is that it is designed to trim the fat and build the muscle. 
Good analogy, you know, like, and, and isn't that such a focus oftentimes in, in January? I hear all the time, you know, oh, I'm eating salad now. You know, I'm trying to trim the fat, build the muscle. I'm working out, doing all of this. And that will last for probably a few weeks for many of us. And, and then we get back to the same old, same old. No, this isn't going to be about the same old, same old. This is going to be something that, that we want to uh, see happen and, and developed here within the life of our church. And I believe that this series will bring us much needed clarity to us as a church, as to individuals, to small groups to our ministries here at the church. And so over the coming weeks, we're going to see this bullseye kind of further explained and understood. And, uh, and, and increasingly, I trust that we will uh, really end up seeing God do a great work in and through um, this process that we go through. And so the first part of my message today is going to be a little bit different. We're going to look at some of the nuts and bolts of this, kind of the purpose, the theology, and the application. These first three things, and this is going to be the information we're going to slide through rather quickly that we'll make available for you. And then we're going to get to some preaching, all right? So, so we, but we've got to get, get through the nuts and bolts so you get a, a better understanding. What is the purpose of this series? Well, first of all, to achieve tremendous clarity on what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ at Harvest Kelowna. It's about clarity. One of the things that if you haven't been to Discover Harvest yet and you're coming today, I hope you come for 30 minutes and you hear about this, you're going to hear one of our desires is that we uh, have a culture here of simplicity, clarity, and urgency. That at the end of the day, you're very clear what we're about. And, and that's why we do things like Discover Harvest, but that's why even we see something like this is, is just to bring clarity. Second of all, to bring powerful unity among our people. Philippians 2.2 2 talks about having the mind of Christ, being united together, one love. And, and this is one way that we can just focus our, our discipleship efforts, that we're all speaking the same language. We can hold one another accountable. Second, uh, thirdly, to reinforce the urgency of living life for what matters most. Ephesians 5 verses 15 and 16 tells us that, that we are to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We get one life, one, uno. Uh, what's another way to say one in another language? What? Whatever, I heard something. You know, it's like we get one life to live and, and, and we got to make it count. And so we can even begin that. You say, but my life is, is half over or I don't know, maybe it's three quarters over. Maybe it's really not half over, but you feel like it's half over today because it's been one of those days. Make it count. And we have an opportunity to make our lives count in a greater way. Again, trim the fat, build the muscle. Um, next, to remove excuses and distractions and, and allow this to be something which is a call for spiritual maturity. And if we, if we see a 24-year-old person or a 48-year-old person uh, walking around the lobby after the service with a, a, a diaper on and with a soother in their mouth and, and they're just blah, 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 just talking like that, we're going to say, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with this picture. That person shouldn't be walking around at that age with a diaper and a soother in their mouth. You know, and, and in the same way, for us to remain as spiritual infants, that's a problem. God's word doesn't call us to, to spiritual infancy, but to move on to maturity. And so this will help bring clarity to help us to grow in our relationship, what it means to grow and mature as, as a follower of Jesus Christ. And so, so that is kind of the purpose of the series. Next, we're going to look at the theology and, and, and what we are asking you to understand and believe from God's word as, as we look through this. And again, it is it, just so biblical. And so here are three things. As a true follower of Christ, I will abide. It's about abiding, and that's what we're going to get into next week. Extremely important message next week. John 15, 5 reminds us of that, that, that it is impossible to follow Christ truly, authentically, without abiding in him. We must abide. We must get that right. 
We must understand what that's about. And so we must look at our lives and ask, our, ask ourselves the question, am I truly connected to Jesus Christ? How do I know that I am truly saved? And so this is so important because everything else flows out of this abide. And, and if we get this wrong, we get it wrong. If we get this right, we get it right. So this is tremendously important. Be in prayer for next week and, and be ready to, to, to really be challenged and, and, and for God's word to speak um, to us in that way. Um, second thing, as a true follower, I will connect. Um, Romans 2.5, God has designed his church as a body, as a family, and, and it's about making a commitment to connect. In order to follow Christ, I must be engaged in his family. It is impossible. This isn't Melden Lutzer. This isn't Harvest. This is what the word of God says, that it is impossible to follow Christ and not be engaged in the local body of Christ. To, to, to not be engaged within the body of Christ is biblically out of, out of step. It's, it's not biblical. And this is where we'll lay it on the table that in order to be a follower of Christ that, that is, is growing, that is, is stretching on towards maturity, we need to be in fellowship with other believers. And so we will connect. And then thirdly, as, as a true follower of Christ, I will share. We aren't meant just to allow what God has done in our life to remain with ourselves. We are to share it. We're to share it with other believers and discipling others and training up others, but also to take the gospel to the darkness of our world. And if we are truly following Christ, this abide, connect, and share will be a part of our lives. And so uh, as, as we get into this series, we, we will look and be able to look at our own lives and see, am I doing this? And, and we'll look at ways how to practically live this out. How can we live this out? And, and, and so here comes some of the application to this. How do we apply this? Well, first of all, every quality relationship requires time. Would you agree with that? If you're going to have a quality marriage, if you're going to have a quality work relationship, if you're going to have any sort of quality relationship, it's going to require time. And so we're going to, to see that in order to have a relationship with Christ, in order to grow in maturity, it's going to take time. There's no growing relationship apart from time spent together. Therefore, first and foremost, there's God time in our lives, an intentional pursuit of God daily. And again, it all flows out of here out of a relationship with him. And then there's gather time, a love for God's family in gathered worship weekly. And here's where we see the five Gs. These are all going to be Gs in here. And so God time, gather time, group time, a commitment to consistent growth and accountability within the community of believers. I can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. We need one another. And then give time, a resolve to steward the gifts God has entrusted to me. We are not here just to sit and receive and just become a pool of resources and information, but we are to give of ourselves and, and use these gifts and these abilities for God's glory and for building of his kingdom. And then finally, go time, spending time annually, making sure that, that we are taking a chunk of our time and seeing the gospel spread locally as well as globally. Again, this will all be, be played out and it all kind of works into this bullseye. But it all starts, where does this all start? It starts at the center. It, starts, it, it doesn't start by, uh, by anything else. It starts, starts right at the very center. Another way to kind of understand this, maybe you're kind of a science kind of person, is a flowchart kind of thing here. And, uh, and you can kind of see just, just the way, again, the interconnectedness of all of this, abide, connect, and share, and, and, and abide, we spend time with God, but how that, that, that influences our relationship as, as a Christ follower and, and, and to connection as well as to sharing. And, and, and so some of you might be thinking, well, well, what's going on with the four pillars? Are we still going to have the four pillars here at Harvest? Absolutely. 
Love the four pillars and what they stand for. And, and here's another little picture to help you to understand this. We see Jesus as, as the foundation. Jesus is the, the foundation of, of our church. And then you see those four pillars on top of that. The word, the worship, the prayer, and the evangelism. And then how do we practically live it out? This is where the 5G uh, life, I, will follow, I follow Christ, fits in as well as in our mission statement. Hasn't changed to glorify God through the fulfillment of the great commission and the spirit of the, of the great commandment. This is what we are called to do and to be as the local body of Christ. And, and, uh, and so we're going to unpack this over the next number of months, and I trust, uh, and then even practically discuss, pray, live this out through our small group studies um, starting this week. And so I encourage you to be a part of that um, in, in your life. What we're going to do right now is uh, I'm just going to pray and, and not just pray. I'm going to pray um, and, and just commit this to the Lord. And then we'll get into another part of the message here this morning. So let's pray together. Father, we, we just thank you that you are a God who desires relationship with us. And sometimes, honestly, it can get so confusing and we can get just so sidetracked. And, and the enemy would want that confusion and to get us sidetracked in different things. And I pray that over the next number of weeks, there would be great clarity for us as a church, for us as individuals to examine our own lives and, and to be challenged by the word of God and to accept that challenge and, and, and to know that you love us and you desire to have a close, intimate relationship with each one of us that we can have that we can have access to God uh, the God of this universe in, in a close way not just in a far out distant sort of um, unfeeling kind of way but that we can know you and, and know your power and your strength in our lives and so we pray that even as we, we dig into this over the ne- next number of weeks and, and over the next few months and, and, and quite possibly for the remainder of our lives that, that this would just be, bring great clarity uh, for us in, in how we live out the life that you call us to live out when you say, follow, follow me. When you made that call on that seashore to those disciples, your call hasn't changed today. And may we learn from that. May we study your life, Jesus, and learn from you. And would you teach us by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was in college, I did a pastoral internship, I won't say what year, it was a long time ago, in Terrace, B.C. Me being a Saskatchewan boy, it felt like going to Terrace was like the far side of the entire universe. It was, it was just, it was my first time being away from home uh, for that amount of time, and, and I went to Terrace over the summer, and part of that time I got to spend in the home of Al and Rita uh, Cretion. And, uh, and they had three boys, and young boys got to hang out, play on a trampoline, uh, enjoyed my time with them. It was just a wonderful experience being in Terrace and, and for part of that internship, being in their home and just being part of the family, and, and uh, just thoroughly enjoyed that. And then kind of lost contact with them, and then through social media, through Facebook, a number of years ago, got kind of reconnected up with, with some of the boys. And, and after we moved to Kelowna, I found out that they moved to the Okanagan as a family. They, uh, Ellen Rita set up a, bi- a business in the uh, Penticton area, and, um, and after we moved here in, in 2010, it was in early, uh, I think, it, I believe it was February 2011, uh, that um, I had a short connection with them, saw them for a little bit, had a little catch up with them, and just to find out a little bit about their lives in a more personal way than social media can allow, that sort of thing. 
A few weeks later, in March of 2011, I'll just keep that, that date of March, it was uh, mid-March, that they went traveling to Las Vegas for a, a trade show uh, with the excavating company that, that he had. And so they decided to take a bit of a slower, a little more scenic, a leisurely um, way to Las Vegas. And so they had a newly purchased GPS, and they also had the old paper map, and, and they were going to take some of the secondary roads and, and just enjoy... Uh, some of the scenery that, especially in, in parts of, of Nevada and, and in kind of the, the, the mountain area there, to be able to enjoy. And so as they were going along on the trip, they realized that the secondary road was not a secondary road, especially during March when it was uh, f um, winter breakup and, and, and there was a lot of ruts and different things. They ended up getting stuck on one of these, not secondary roads, but a forestry road. And there Van got stuck just royally, and, and they found out that all, any calls to 911 did not, did not work. They just kind of went through and then got disconnect, disconnected. They find, found out there was no cell service available for them. And so for three days, they worked hard at trying to get out, but to no avail. They would make progress, and then they would get stuck even further. After the third day, Al decided to take the GPS and the paper map and walk to Mountain City, Nevada. They figured it was probably 20-some kilometers away. Rita stayed in the van and would wait for Al's return. Some of you know this story. Al never returned. Search and rescue efforts were made but yielded nothing. Forty-nine days later, hunters came on quads across the stuck van where Rita was, very weak and near death. In fact, in her journal, she had even written that she believed that would be the day that she would die. She survived those 49 days on a little handful of trail mix and some hard candies, and she melted snow. Elle's body was recovered halfway to Mountain City 18 months later. You see, they put their trust in a GPS that they thought would get them to their destination, but it failed them, and it ended tragically. It's a sad, sad story. But you know, I believe that the Word of God gives us a similar warning and danger, and it could be possible for us as believers in Christ sitting here today to have lives that are full of spiritual activity and religious understanding, to be part of a great church and do great things for God, have great knowledge, have a great resume, but at the end of our lives hear these words from Matthew chapter 7 that are on the screen. Verse 21 of Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many... Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. These are sobering words, words from Jesus. These people were involved in, in big stuff. These were people who cast out demons. They, they, they spoke for God. They, they did many mighty works, it says here. And in the end, they had it all wrong. Their God positioning system, their GPS system, led them down the wrong path. 
You see, you can be a good, honest, hardworking, good to your neighbor, church every Sunday, lead a small group, serve in various ministries, give, give a lot of money, uh, have wise, wise words and wisdom for others, and still miss eternal life. You might say, oh, but Melden, these aren't happy words, these aren't good words, and, 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 and they're not making me feel happy on the inside. And folks, I'd rather you hear these words today then at the end of time, at the end of your life, and hear the words from our Savior, I, I never knew you. I never knew you. You would think these words that Jesus said here in this passage would be for drug dealers and terrorists and murderers and atheists and, and bad people, but instead he's saying this to good living, hardworking, spiritual people. You see, I wonder today if, if we stopped the sermon at this point and, and took some time to discuss or to write down what is your definition of a faithful follower of Christ? What's your definition of someone who is a Christian, who is a believer, who's a follower, whatever word you want to use? What is your definition of that? What kind of words would, would we end up telling others is our description of that? Or what kind of words would we, we write down? Quite possibly, we'd write down a lot of do words and, and a lot of do's that, that a Christian, a faithful follower, reads their Bible. They pray, they go to church, they serve, they, they live a good life, they, they go to prayer meetings, they, they give to the poor, they serve in various ways, and and. and Oftentimes, and these are good things, and, and oftentimes are marks of a, a believer in Christ and, and, and show that. And we can also define the life of a follower of Christ by someone who doesn't do a lot of things. We don't do the bad things. I remember uh, years ago hearing, and, and I think a lot of people adhered to this, that, you know, um, you know, as a Christian, you don't smoke or drink or dance or chew or go with girls that do. You know, and, and so, uh, you know, like just, you know, it's, it's the things that you don't do. And so our, the Christian life can be described of do's and don'ts. And, and where are we at with that, you know? Or, or maybe it's described by what a person knows. Someone has a lot of knowledge. Maybe they, they can recite the creeds and, and the doctrines and they've attended classes. Maybe they spent some time in Bible college or seminary and they've taught or they've been pastors. And so for sure, if they're doing all of those things, if they do a lot of things and know a lot of things, they must be short, but, or they must be a sure, sure bet. They must be the real deal, and yet both of those can fall short. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 12, it talks about us not, be, be, Paul is warning, don't get carried away from the simplicity of the gospel. The gospel is very simple. Don't get led away from the grace and, 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 of God and just pile it up with a whole bunch of activity and a whole bunch of knowledge. That doesn't save a person. Religion won't save you. Religion won't get you to heaven. I re remember uh, quite fondly, it would happen quite often when we lived in Alberta. We were pastoring close to a military uh, base and as well as there were quite a few military and former military veterans in, in our community. And so I had the privilege of serving as the chaplain for, for the Legion and, and a lot of interesting stories that came out of that as well as an uh, interesting title. My kids really giggled when they first heard some people call me Padre. They had never heard that name before and, and so there was some giggling that way, Padre Mel and, you know, sort of thing. They just kind of thought that was interesting. And so, so dealing with a lot of rough and tough kind of military people who had been exposed to some difficult and unfortunate things in their lives. And I remember hearing uh, many of them would end up saying, sorry, Padre, I'm not religious. And I would respond to them, neither am I. And they look at you, what are you talking about? 
You know, or, you know, or I hate religion, some of the people at, at times are saying. You've probably heard that from people before. You know, I hate religion. They're like, so do I. Religion doesn't save you. And see, the mark of a true follower of Christ is not that you're religious. It's not based on performance or lifestyle or knowledge. It's not based on any of that or on the heritage. You know, well, my dad was saved and, and, and I came from a Christian home. I have good stock. That doesn't mean anything. Here's the answer, and you know this. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish and have eternal life. But there's another verse, and I encourage you to jot this down and, and to read it, and it will even be on the screen for us to be able to, to look at. And it says, John 17, John 17, verse 3. And, 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 and this is a beautiful verse, because if you want to know what a true follower looks like, and this is eternal life. There's a statement. You want to know what it is to have eternal life, to be a follower of Jesus Christ? That they know you, the only true God and Jesus whom you have sent. This is Jesus' prayer. This is a prayer that Jesus is, is praying. And his desire and what he says, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to have eternal life, is someone who knows him, who has a relationship with God, and we have that relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We'll talk about that in a moment. That's the beauty of it. In simplicity, eternal life, the Christian life, is that is having knowledge of him, having a relationship with him. And that word knowledge just isn't head knowledge. You can know a lot about different celebrities, right? You, you can you know, follow the stats of someone like a Connor McDavid or you know, some, some football athlete or you know, a, a celebrity of some sort. You can know a lot about Donald Trump or Obama or whoever it might be. You can know them and not know them, right? You can know a lot about someone and not know them. And the same thing is true with God. The same thing is true about Jesus. You can know a lot about him and not know him. And this word know implies relationship intimacy, oneness, not just a, a head knowledge of it, uh, of the person, of God, of, of his son, but a personal knowledge, a personal relationship. It's all about relationships. It's all about relationships. And so this I follow Christ, the 5G life, does not start here with the bullseye. That's not where it starts with, with all of the outworking. Where it starts right now, and if you could just put that up there, is right at the center and got my nice little pointer, uh, made this up early this morning. And so yeah, I'll turn it, my, some of you people who aren't Euler fans could be offended, but it will work. But this is where it starts. It starts right there at the center with knowing Christ. Put the other one up there now, the bullseye. It doesn't start here and that by doing this, that I work myself to Christ, that somehow if I do enough of these 5G kind of things and, you know, doing all of these things, that somehow I'll get there. No, it all starts right at the center with Christ at the center. Amen? That's where it starts. That's where it starts, and that's where the life flows out of it. Everything else flows out of that relationship with Jesus Christ. Write this down. It's all about relationship. If we don't have a relationship with him, we have nothing. Turn to Mark 3. Mark chapter 3. And as you're doing that, this relationship, it starts with Jesus. You see, put the bullseye back up there. God didn't offer, offer us a system. This isn't a system. This might be boiled down to a system or a process or you know, just, just a, a nice model. He didn't offer us a system. He offered us a savior. Someone who saved us. 
First Timothy 2, 5 and 6 says, There is one God, one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus. Jesus and Jesus only. Can't get saved any other way. There are churches today that years ago were teaching this and today are saying, no, you know what? There's other ways to Jesus. In the end, we're all going to be saved. Wrong, not true. There's one way, one mediator. His name is Jesus. And we can know him. We can know him and have a relationship with him. It's all about relationship. Mark chapter 3. Here we see what happened when Jesus called his disciples. Here's, here, here's Mark, uh, just another snapshot here of the calling of the disciples. Mark 3 verse 13. We're going to dig into this verse and then we will be done and we are going to spend some time worshiping our wonderful Savior. And it says, verse 13, And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. And he appointed twelve whom he had also named apostles, so that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. I encourage you to keep your Bibles open. There are some golden, golden words that can change your life. Change your life. Change your, your eternal destiny here. This is an important passage of Scripture. The first thing we see here, it's all about relationship. Jesus' invitation is all about love. This is an invitation of love from Jesus. And it says, And he went up on the mountain and called to them those whom he desired. Here is Jesus calling these men to follow him. And let's face it, this wasn't the A team. This was somewhere the B team, maybe the C team. I mean, these were fishermen. These were individuals with a sketchy past. I mean, they weren't the the sharpest or the brightest crayons in the pack kind of guys at all. What a messed up crew of, 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 of 12 that, that he called together. Ordinary, ordinary folks. But he called them, he desired. Look at that word, that, that he called to them, to those whom he desired. He desired to have a relationship with them. You say, well, that's pretty cool for those 12 disciples. Good for them. He has his boys, his team. guess that doesn't include me. Now write down this verse because this is, this is a game changer. This wasn't just for the disciples. This is for us all. 1 Timothy 2.4. 1 Timothy 2.4, it says, God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That word desires that we see here in 1 Timothy is the same word we see here in, in Mark that that there is a love, a desire, a personal desire that Christ has to have a relationship, not with just his 12, but with each one. He desires all people to be saved, to become his followers, to be his disciples. And who does he call? He calls everyone, all people. Did you know that God wants a relationship with you more than you want a relationship with him? Think about that. He desires a close, personal, intimate relationship with you, with little old you, sinful you, messed up you, and I'm looking right at myself when I'm saying that. I have a screen here and I can see a reflection of myself. I'm saying that to myself. He loved me and gave himself for me first. 
remember when our kids were little, we would have these arguments for some reason we're not having, we're having different arguments at times in our house. And, uh, but these were cute little arguments that we would have with, with our kids and, and uh, always quite enjoyed it. And then I would always win the, the argument at the end as a good father does. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, we'd be talking with Nate or with Clarice and, and I'd say, you know, I love you. And they say, I love you more. I'm like, no, I love you more. And you know how it goes, no, I love you more. And, you know, I love you more and more and more. And, and, and all of this. And then I just shut it down by simply saying, I loved you first. I loved you first. I loved you even before, when I found out that mom was pregnant with you, I started loving you. And when you were born, after I recovered, um, you know, that gas was amazing, very helpful for, for me during that time. And, uh, you know, after I recovered from the delivery, you know, and I'm holding this little one, it's like, I love you. I love you. And you had nothing that you could give back to me except, well, you gave back, all right, a load of a diaper and, and a lot of slobber and throw up and, and, and a lot of screaming. And um, God loved you first. And God demonstrated his own love for you in this, that while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. He loved you first. And he wants a relationship with you, with me, that is life-changing. Knock it out of the park, real, authentic. Not some religious, empty, kind of like scratching on, you know, wood trying to get somewhere sort of thing. No. He wants the invitation that Jesus has for you. It's all out of love. It's all out of love. It's not about what you're going to do for him. It's all based on love. Second of all, Jesus' invitation has to be accepted. You see this in the last part of verse 13. It says, and they came to him. They had a choice. Jesus called, and either they accept or they rejected him. And Jesus' invitation, it called them to action. It called them to surrender everything. You see, when Jesus would make the call to follow, he would say, follow me, and then he'd start walking. And he would keep on, and he wouldn't negotiate, and he wouldn't say, well, Jesus, you know, I'll follow you if. I'll follow you when. It was leave it all and follow. Follow him no matter what. Follow him in spite of the cost. And you see, this is where this one really kind of fizzles out for so many. We understand his heart is one of love, but it's an invitation we have to accept and it's an invitation to not just him being our Savior, but him being our Lord, surrendering everything to him. It's living, it's leaving everything, being willing to surrender it all, our jobs, our homes, our location, and to say, whatever you ask of me, I will do. Certain things that we, we kind of in, enjoy, those certain areas of maybe somewhat sinful pleasure, but maybe not that much, or, you know, those, those little gray areas, whatever, and he, he calls you. He's not calling up. He's calling you to say, give that up. Are we willing to do that? You see, we want to follow Jesus, but we want to follow him on, on our own terms, not on his terms, and he doesn't operate that way. Remember, it's, it's all love. He, he wants to give you ab his absolute best. It's not a life of deprivation and just like, oh, it's going to stink to be you now that you're going to follow me. Life's going to be really difficult now. 
No, he, his goal is for fruitfulness. So, oh, we're going to get into that next week. It is just what? I'm not going there yet. Um, come next week and, 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 and just see the life, the fruitfulness, the joy, the blessing that he wants to give to us as his children when we're connected, when we're abiding in him. And it's no longer ceaseless striving. It's no longer just trying. It's relationship. There's, oh, yeah, I'm going into next week. Not going to do that. Come next week. Thirdly, Jesus' invitation was to a relationship. And here is the beauty of, of what we've been talking about. And he appointed the 12 so that they might be with him. Remember, it's all about relationship. Here it is. He wasn't calling them to religion, to a system, to a bunch of tasks. He was calling them to a relationship so they might be with him. Remember John 17, 3, that this is eternal life, that we would know him. So here it is. Everything he would ask, would task them to do and ask them to do was an outflow of that time that was spent with him. Jesus didn't invite them then and he doesn't invite us now into relationships so that we just have to go around and be his whipping boys. Go and do, you know, a whole bunch of tasks for him because that's what we've got to do. And sometimes we go along with the attitude and say, well, he's done so much for me, I want to give back to him. That sounds good and yeah, that can be a slight motivation, but that's not his heart. His heart isn't serve me, do this, live your life, change everything up for me because of what I've done for you. No, it, that's all just an outflow of this intimate relationship that we have with him. And he invites us into this relationship. And, and everything we do for him is just an outflow of that relationship. And that's where we get it so wrong, and that's where we get so tired out and worn out and bitter, and we become angry, and we... Yeah. Next week, abide. We're going to look at what it means to abide. And if we don't get this, we miss it all. You see, the devil doesn't care if you are busy serving the Lord... Five hours, 10 hours, 15 hours a week, reading your Bible every day, praying, or even selling drugs. Any of those things. He's fine with you doing it as long as we are not with him. As long as we don't have a relationship, an intimate relationship with him where we're hearing from him, where we're going to him, where, where, where we're busy. Well, we're too busy to read. We're too busy to spend time with him. He, enemy loves that. Because there's, his power isn't, being, isn't made available for us to be able to live out the lives that he calls us to live out. Wants us to miss the mark, to, to set our GPS on doing and, no, and, and not in being. Starts in, in being with him. And anything that is a substitute for intimacy with Jesus is just fine with the enemy. Anything that is a substitute. You see, the relationship is not just the starting point, it's the goal. It's to keep that relationship going. It just doesn't begin the relationship, it is what nurtures it and keeps it alive and keeps us going in that. And then following Jesus overflows into every area of our life. Verse 14, and it says, and he might send them out to preach. Now here's the doing part. He would send them out to preach, and preach isn't just, that word there isn't just what I'm doing here today, it's to announce, it's to, it, it's to live out, it's to make public who Christ is. And that's a task for every one of us. Not to hoard it, but to share it. And they're going out, their tasks, 
their preaching was simply an overflow of that time spent with him. Their fruitfulness, their power would all come as a result of that intimate relationship that they had with him. That's the call that Jesus made to his disciples 2,000 years ago. And that's the call that he makes to you, to you, to you, to you, to all of us today. And I trust that today and as we work through this in the coming weeks, we would be able to say with great clarity, I follow Christ. And I know him in a personal way. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that your word warns us. You do not desire that anyone should perish, but all should come to repentance. And that's why you put these tough words in the word of God here in Matthew as we read. Don't anyone to come, you don't want anyone to come up short. You don't want us just busy doing. You want us to be, to be with you. And may we see that you're the one that wants to be with me, to be with us. And your word leads us to response. And, and even today, we're making a response to either accept this truth and to dig into it or to put it on hold or, oh, think about it or reject the truth. And those last two responses are a rejection of the truth and we're playing in dangerous territory. And these truths right here, right now, I know we're all making decisions on this and I pray that in our heart of hearts, each one of us would look at our own lives and that we would say yes, yes to following you. Yes to a deepening relationship for those who already know you in a personal way. May we not be comfortable. May we want more of you and experience more of your power and your victory and your strength. More of the ability to be able to live out the life that you call us to live. And I wonder today, do you know Jesus? I'm not asking you if you prayed a prayer, if you were baptized. Do you know him today? Have you turned from your sin? Have you believed in Jesus as the Savior the one who has taken your sin upon himself and took care of that at the cross? Have you accepted his invitation of grace to a relationship with him? He's waiting. He's waiting. You can start that relationship today through a simple prayer. Love to talk to you during the time of worship or after the service. You can pray in your heart right now. You can start that relationship today. Or maybe you're here and you're not sure. I said earlier, God's word tells us to make our calling and our election sure. Pour your heart out to God. Commit your heart out to him. Cry out to him, admitting, acknowledging your sin and, and, and your wandering heart and knowing that your sin and, and our sin cuts off that relationship and hinders that. And would we turn from our sin, not just ask for forgiveness, but turn from it. And start talking with him again, anew and afresh. And may we all dig into his word and into this relationship with him and our lives forever be changed. This morning, we're going to 
close in worship and we're going to take time to partake of the Lord's Supper. And the way that God's Word instructs us that on occasion that the body of Christ, we are to remember the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. His sacrifice on the cross. And this is a time as the bread and the cup are here at the front and um, that as we worship the Lord together after spending some time, and I trust you're even doing that now, of pouring your heart out to God that you would come and you can take a piece of bread, you can either tear one off from the loaf or there's a plate beside that you can just take a piece and dip it in the cup. You can either take it back to your seat or you can just step to the side and spend some time in prayer and partake on your own. The bread is a reminder of the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for us. The the cup is a reminder of his shed blood that was shed for our sins. And this is for the follower of Jesus Christ. And perhaps today you're for the first time pouring your heart out to Jesus Christ and asking him to be the Savior and the Lord of your life. Feel free to partake. If you've been wandering away from God and it's the day to come home and you're praying that, Feel free to partake with us. If you're not a believer, I'm sure to ask you to not partake because this is a serious, serious and a very important instruction that Jesus gives to us that this is for believers in Christ. Or maybe it's just one of those days you don't know where you're at. Just feel free to just stay in your seats. It doesn't matter. The Lord knows your heart. If you'd like prayer for the state of where you're at right now, I'd love to pray with you as we worship. Just feel free to come here at the front. Myself and others would be willing to pray for you. Pray for you and with you. We have such a great Savior. And this is what he's done for us. And and our first response to this is worship. And it's with our lives. Making the walk. The walk of thankfulness. The walk of commitment and recommitment to him today. And I trust that that would be a desire in each one of our hearts. Let's stand together.